Hello and welcome to today's podcast. My name is Amber and the website is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. I am a Reiki master and a shamanic practitioner and I've been running my own healing practice for the last 15 years now. The website again, sacredspacehealing.org. My work is focused on core wound healing, life purpose work, sacred union work and intuitive readings. So first of all, a big thank you to everyone who listens to these podcasts and for all your lovely feedback. It is every message that you send is always read and so graciously and gratefully appreciated. Um, I'm really, it's, uh, yeah, I'm really happy to hear that the work that I put out resonates with some of you and helps you along your way. That was always the intention of this work. Um, some of you ask how you can support the work and if you go to the website which is sacredspacehealing.org and click on the home button there's a little drop down menu and there there's a donations uh, page and you can donate as much or as little as you feel called to donate at this time. Um, if you have any ideas for podcasts, things that you think I haven't covered or you'd like to hear more on then please feel free to drop me an email at amber at sacredspacehealing.org and um, I'll certainly add it to the, the, the list of things that I sometimes um, create to, to speak about. So today's podcast is on distance healing. Um, it's a question that I sometimes get asked uh, by those who are interested in working with me, but also to those who have no experience of healing. You know, how does distance healing work? How can it possibly work? So I'm not going to go into a huge um, tutorial on distance healing. It is one of the things that we cover when I teach um, Reiki. So, but this isn't the space for that. But I will just cover my understanding of how distance or remote healing works and um, perhaps some of the concerns or considerations that you may have around the work and also some of the important um, uh, the considerations that we should have around the work when we're seeking a healer. So um, I remember when I first attuned to Reiki years and years back and my Reiki master said to me, um, as one of my case studies, I had to do a distance healing and I, I really didn't believe that it would work. I didn't believe that I would be able to do that. And I remember doing my case study um, on someone and sending them healing for an hour and then afterwards they emailed me back everything that he, they had experienced. And it was incredible because everything that they had experienced, I had sensed. So I had sort of got images of, of certain things in their life that had happened and things that they wanted to clear and emotions that they were feeling, I started feeling in my body. But they had such a profound experience with the healing. They felt energies shifting and moving through their body. They felt um, old memories coming to the surface. They cried. They you know, felt warm energy moving through their body. They saw uh, white light around them. I mean, it was a really powerful experience for them. And I was quite thrown by the fact that I was able to do this thing. And I remember when I first experienced a distance healing, you know, I didn't think anything was going to happen. I, I, I didn't, I didn't have a belief in it. And actually the very first distance healing that I got set me on the path to becoming, um, an angelic Reiki master um, and it's a long story and I won't bore you with it now, but it's one that I often tell my students when I'm teaching. Um, it was such a profound experience for me. It was po possibly, probably one of the most powerful healings I ever had. Um, and it was so unexpected. I didn't know it would be possible to experience healing at such a deep level in, in my home, um, miles away from this healer who was working on me remotely. So I, since those experiences my kind of 
judgments just fell away because I'd had a direct experience. So one of the first things I'll say is that if you have reservations around distance healing, does it work? Is it a con? Am I going to feel anything? Um, the, the best thing to do is to have the experience because only you can work out for you whether distance healing is for you or not. So I think that's the most important thing. That's like the, the banner of, of this podcast is I will say it's for you to have the experience and from that to make up your mind whether this is right for you. How I see it as working is for me, distance healing is about intention and um, and energy goes where, you know, a, a attention is. So we can send people loving thoughts, you know, we can, this is often people say, send prayers, send positive vibes, we can send people prayers, loving thoughts, blessings, um, positivity, and it will be felt by them on an energetic level, because we are energetic beings, everything around us is energy, we are made up of energy, our whole universe is made up of energy, everything that is manifested within our universe has an energetic frequency to it, so if we focus very intently on a person, and we want to send them harm, they'll feel that, they'll feel that as a kind of heavy, nasty energy around them, it's how psychic attack happens, and it's how most people live 99.9% .9 of their lives in a sleep state. As in, you know, most people wander around harboring resentments about the person that pushed into them on the tube or the ex that it never worked out with or their boss or whatever. And they don't really realize the damage that they're doing to themselves karmically, but also to someone else's energy field. Some people do it consciously and then we're in the realms of black magic and sorcery and so on, which is what the clearing work on the website is about to assist with clearing that. Um, and other people send prayers, they send positive thoughts, they send love to another, and that has an impact too. So how I understand it is basically that's the premise of it. You know, if we have a focused intention to send something to someone, it will be felt by them if they are open to receiving it. And so this is where we come into the areas of boundaries and protection and so forth. So obviously the relationship between the healer and the client is a therapeutic one. And you would imagine that the person who signs up for a remote healing is open to receiving the healing. That's how I understand distance healing and how it works as in that's why your boundaries aren't being crossed something awful isn't being done to you because you have given permission for this energy to come your way and how it differs say to psychic attack or something like that is that often often there is a there is a kind of unspoken permission for attacks which is to do with trauma wounding low self-esteem lack of boundaries and that's why the attacks can come at the person um but oftentimes the attacks don't penetrate the person's energy field because their boundaries are so strong but in a therapeutic relationship the client is saying I wish to receive healing and so they lower their boundaries for that period of time because they trust the person that is the healer that's going to assist them so that's how I see distance healing as working you know it's thought it's intention it's focused intention and it's and it's working with energy some of the considerations I think around distance healing to decide whether it's right for you or not are what it is that you're looking for in a healing session. So I feel that distance healing actually goes a lot deeper than in-person work. And my reasons for this, which I discovered over the years, both as a client and then as a healer, are the following in no particular order. <clears throat> I feel that we can go a lot deeper in the healing work when there are no distractions. So I found that as a healer, when I was doing healing sessions, distractions were many. And distractions were things like the treatment room that we were using, 
you know, sometimes we were restricted by time. Um, someone else was knocking on the door because they wanted to use the room after us or you know, perhaps there were some building works going out on outside the window or maybe the room wasn't as perfectly set up as we would have liked it to be. So we're restricted by venue and location. Um, part of that is traveling to the venue and I kind of saw that as a restriction and a hurdle sometimes. People get stuck on tube trains, stuck in traffic and they're, they're 15, 20 minutes late for their appointment and now they've missed out on the experience of getting a full healing. Um, also traveling halfway across a busy city, you know, halfway across London can be really stressful for people. Um, maybe they have to take a day off work. Maybe they're trying to cram it in in the lunch hour. So that all of those things felt distracting. What also felt distracting was just two people being in a room is that, you know, especially if it's your first time in a healing, there's all these other things that we're having to navigate, like meeting a new person, taking in that person's energy, um, you know, uh, am I coming across all right? Did I say the right thing? All of these things that we think, I think, as clients, um, am I saying too much? Am I revealing too much? Oh, no, I've burst into tears. I shouldn't have burst into tears. Um, maybe I should laugh. Was that a joke? You know, all this kind of stuff that goes through our heads, our kind of monkey mind, can be all put to one side, I feel, in a distant session where it's just focused on the healing, you know, because there isn't another person in front of you. And then I also feel because we're working energetically, that there's something alchemical that happens that means you can go just much deeper into the core wounds and what it is that needs to be addressed. Um, and I think that's just something alchemical that happens in terms of remote work. And I know other healers who say the same thing. And I found it as a healer. I, I just feel that I have a much more laser focused intention when I'm not sitting in a room opposite someone. Um, but I'm just able to tune into their energy field. It's like there's no other distractions around me. I'm just tuning in to them. And I feel often when I receive healing, I much prefer getting a distance healing to an in-person healing, although there are merits to both. So those are the positives that I feel are there with distance healing. But some of the things that you may want to take into consideration also are, do you want that personal contact? I think for some people, it's really important to have that regularity of going once a week or once a month, or whatever it is, to see your healer. And that actually human contact is really important. Um, having your pain witnessed is deeply therapeutic and, and is part of the healing process. So we may feel embarrassed because we have emotions come up in a healing session. You know, we get angry, we cry, whatever. But actually part of the healing process is having those uncomfortable emotions witnessed by another who doesn't judge us, but accepts us in that state. And sometimes the most profound healing happens when we, when we do have those outpourings of emotion. And the space is held for us and we aren't judged and we're accepted and we're loved and we're viewed compassionately and, um, and with kindness and with non-judgment. You might feel that you want everything that comes with an in-person session, right? So sometimes people want the music and the incense and the, you know, the, the, the throws on the sofa and, and the, the, the candlelight, like they want all of that. They want to walk into a sacred space and, and feel that, that magic of being in a sacred space. And you might very much want that. I think there's something incredibly powerful about having a shamanic healing, for example. You know, I love the sound of the drum and the smell of sage and whatever else the healer might be using. I love being in that space. It feels incredible. And sometimes profound healing happens 
um, in in-person work because of the space and, and just the energy of the space and what, is, what has been conjured up in that space. So if it's difficult for you to set up sacred space in your own home, perhaps an in-person session is something that you might want to consider until you get more used to what it could feel like to set up sacred space in your home, which isn't an impossibility and is something that I often guide my clients through before we do a distance healing. And there are very simple things that you can do to make your home a sacred space for the work so that you start to feel those same feelings, those same emotions that you would feel were you in a session with someone who was holding space for you. And I guess if you're someone that only believes in something if it's tangible, i.e. you only believe in it if it's there in front of you and you can view it and that you're constantly going to be spending your time questioning, is the healing happening? Is it working? Then maybe an in-person session is better for you. You know, maybe you don't trust that a healing is happening until a healer puts their hands on you or you hear the drum or, you know, you um, walk into the clinic. Like maybe all of these things are signposts to your consciousness that, oh, healing is happening. So you know you best and you know what works for you best. I have found over the years, the majority of my clients aren't always in London. The majority of them are actually either in other parts of the UK or abroad. Um, so there is no way that we could do an in-person session unless they were going to take planes and trains to get to me, which some clients have amazingly done. But it is easier in, in this day and age of incredible technology for us to work remotely via Skype or Zoom and to do the healing remotely. And it also means that we're not having to worry about schedules and I can be a lot more flexible in my scheduling. Um, Whereas, again, one of those restrictions is being bound by the treatment room that you're using and the time limits and, and all those kind of things, which just doesn't happen when you're doing remote work. So I feel that there are huge merits to remote work that far outweigh in-person sessions. But I do think that it's something that is an individual like, an individual preference. And, I, and, and yes, in this current in our current world that we live in, where everything is so removed and we can often spend our lives on social media or, you know, laptops or iPads or phones or whatever, like really disconnected from human contact, there's actually something really beautiful about having an in-person healing session and to have ourselves mirrored back to us by a healer, which is what happens when you have an in-person session. Like that mirroring can sometimes be more apparent, but mirroring can also happen in um on a call you know and i and i've certainly known that happen with me when i've worked with healers and i've i i know that it happens in my sessions with clients so i think the bottom line comes down to how good this this healer is you know like i think with really great healers it's not going to make a difference whether they're in the room with you or they're not you're still going to get the the most um the most sort of five star gold star healing that you could possibly get because that's just how they operate on an energetic level so I think some of the considerations that I would guide you through just to be mindful of are, you know, obviously I think there's a little bit more risk when you're, when you're working with a healer that you've never met. You don't know who this person is. You don't know how legitimate they are. You don't know what they, what their energy is really. Like you have to be quite tuned in to tune into someone that you're working with remotely and, um, and feel their energy to know if they're the right person for you. And I feel that when you're working with someone in person, you can get those clues very quickly. I remember going for a, I went for an astrology reading once um, with a shamanic practitioner who had trained at a, a school that I knew quite well. 
and the website looked really great and you know everything on it seemed really legit like really kind of powerful and strong and it felt right so I booked in to go for this session and I I was quite I was quite tempted to also have a shamanic healing at some point but I wanted to have the astrology session first and it was in this person's home and I, I got to their home and I never have an, an issue with, it, you know, uh, sessions being in someone's home. Like, I'm not there to judge how someone lives because we all live in different ways and it really doesn't mean anything about who we are as people in the world. And um, this person was in London and London is a very expensive city, so you really can't judge people on how they live in London. I think we're all doing the best that we can. But um, I got to this person's house and when I got into their flat, I was shocked at the state of the flat. And they'd worked at a, a shamanic training school that preached the um the sort of as a fundamental that your your living space needed to be spotless because you know that kind of ordered living space created an ordered mind and an ordered energy field and ordered healing so um you know it was quite culty this school but they they sort of had a baseline about how you're meant to present yourself and how you're meant to be so I was quite shocked when I came into their home at the state which their home was in and it wasn't that it you know they didn't have money or anything like that that I was judging them on um, it was just that it was just dirty. Um, and so that was an interesting clue as to how this person was managing their energy and where they were at in their life. And the person that was sat opposite me was just didn't look anything like their photo on their website. They looked completely different. And um, I could tell from how they were dressed and how they were that they hadn't, they weren't really looking after themselves, you know, like their nails were overgrown and their hair was unkempt and clothes didn't look particularly you know well looked after and the f the place itself didn't look well looked after and uh, even though candles and symbols had been placed in certain places it it looked very unloved um and the place hadn't been tidied for me so I, I it wasn't a sacred space that I walked into it was all just very off the cuff and so I think those are amazing clues for did I want this person to be my healer now I was happy to have the astrology reading um, and I was happy to kind of go along with it, but there was no way I was going to have this person be my healer, not after I'd seen them in person and I'd seen how they lived and how they created sacred space. It just didn't resonate for me, but that's not to say that it may not have resonated for someone else who may not have noticed the things that I noticed and who's to say why I was noticing what I was noticing, but for me, they were red flags. So I think had I not met this person um, and just had a healing with them, it it may not have been it may not have gone according to plan you know it might have been money down the drain possibly for me so I think that's the biggest um consideration when you're choosing a healer that you work with remotely you know you need to get a sense of who they are um I would say there are ways that you can do this so I offer you know 15 20 minute calls with someone who wants to just chat through some stuff so they can hear my voice at least and maybe get a sense of me from my voice. Like sometimes we get a sense of someone from how they speak. Um, sometimes we don't, you know, but sometimes we do. So, um, so a phone call is a good idea. You can go back and forth on emails if that helps you. You can ask questions if that makes you feel better. Definitely have a look at the website, but be aware that, you know, the photo on the website and the information that you're being given is there for marketing purposes. And they may not, you know that photo might be five years old or something like their energy might have changed since then so always 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 trust your instinct if it feels off for some reason it's because something is out of alignment 
That doesn't mean they're a bad healer or, you know, they're going to hurt you in some way. It could just be that they're not the right energy for you or they're not in the right place right now for whatever reason. Because as I've said before in other podcasts, healers are human too and they might be going through their own, you know, transformation, transitional period. So I think that's your only real um, red flag, if you like, the thing to think about when going for remote healing is is to get a sense of this healer because you don't know who they are. You don't know how they're going to work on you. You don't know how clean the energy field is that they're working in. You don't know how clean they keep themselves energetically and you don't know how much integrity they have. And you don't know whether they're actually doing the healing or on the night or the day that they said they do the healing, they've done nothing. They've just, you know, popped down the pub or switched the TV on. Like you just don't know. Um, and because you don't know it, you have to be mindful um, of how you spend your money and what you're tapping into. The other thing to be aware of, and I mean, this can happen in in-person sessions as well as remotely, is just making sure that there's no cording. So if you have a healing with someone and then you, you after the healing, you find yourself thinking about them quite a lot. I mean, I think as clients, we tend to think about our healers when we're in need you know, like, because we want them to help us, like, we tend to have that parental thing with them, and that's part of the process, but if you find yourself kind of obsessively thinking about them, like, you know, wanting to be their friend, wanting to be their lover, wanting to Google them all the time, or what's what's happening on their website, what's happening on their social media, then you might want to, th- you might want to consider that there might be something untoward happening, some kind of cording is going on, or they've stolen some of your power, or they you know, they've done some kind of spell on you. Uh, I mean, spell in its widest sense so that you keep coming back to them. I mean, it's, it's common. Unfortunately, it's commonplace with a lot of healers that there are tricks that can be done in order to keep you disempowered. So you'll keep coming back to them. And it happens a lot more than we think it does. Um, I've experienced it far more than I wish I ever had, but it's just shown me the dark side of healing. And it's the reason it happens is because there are unresolved issues in the healer. Sometimes they're doing it consciously, sometimes they're doing it unconsciously. They just haven't looked at their shadow. Um, and it's about, you know, needing to feel needed and needing to feel like a savior and all of this other stuff. So I would just be mindful of that, you know, like when every, anything starts to become obsessive, when it starts to take over your thinking, in any kind of obsessive um, emotion, anger, love, um, desire, grief, like anything like that, you just need to track it a little bit and, 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 and ask the questions, have I been corded in any way? Is there any kind of attachment going on here? And you can always decord yourself. You know, you can always claim back your sovereignty and decord yourself from this healer. But it's a good red flag to sort of say you don't want to work with this healer again. And then the other thing is handing over a lot of personal information, like date of birth, photos, address, um, you know, names of people in your life and so on. Just be aware of who you're giving your personal information to. Now, there's there's a few things on this. Obviously, if they have integrity and they're not dark healers, it's fine. This is all going to go in a file somewhere. You just need to know how that information is going to be used. How is it going to be filed and stored? Is that information accessible to other people? This is your personal information, and it's important that it's kept safe for a variety of reasons. Um, but also, it's just to bring a bit of awareness into the dark healer, because the dark healer, it's easier for them to access your energy field if they have all this information about you, where you live, how old you are, your date of birth, and a photo. 
it's so easy to then access your energy field, which is a little bit harder to do if they don't have that much information about you. If you don't feel comfortable giving that information, say, I don't feel comfortable giving you that information. If they're a healer of any worth, they'll still be able to do the work without needing your date of birth and a photo. And if they can't do the work without needing that and you feel uncomfortable, then go to someone who doesn't need that information. Um, when I started out doing intuitive readings, I mean, this is like nearly 15 years ago, um, I used to ask for a picture of the person that wanted a reading because I used to get a better sense of, you know, the, the, their energy field with the photo. There is not a single time now that I ask for a photo, date of birth or address of the person that I'm working with. There is absolutely no need for that information. I don't need it because I trust that the healing will go to the person who has requested the healing, whether their name is actually Bob or Sarah or they've given me a fake name. It really doesn't matter because I'm connecting to their energy field. So frankly, I don't understand when healers ask for that, but everyone has their own particular way of doing things sometimes they'll take your name and your photo and they'll put it on an altar or they'll do some kind of ritual with it you just have to know that you're going to be comfortable with that if you're not comfortable with that voice it and if they refuse to adapt their methods for you to feel comfortable and you are the paying client then find someone else no matter how desperate you feel no matter how much you think this person's going to rescue you if there's something that makes you feel uncomfortable and they won't adapt their way of working to assist you find someone else it doesn't mean that they're dark in any way they may not be it just means that you need to find someone that you feel safe with and whatever kind of um sixth sixth senses you're getting need to be honored um whether they're right or whether they're not so right, they still need to be honoured because it's part of your healing journey. So it's a fascinating topic, I think, distance healing, but um, this is just to give you a few things to think about and how I work and um, considerations in distance healing, which I hope will assist you in maybe stepping into distance healing if you've never tried it before, but also in finding the right healer for you. That could be anyone, it doesn't have to be me, but you know, just to know what those considerations are when you're seeking a healer and what questions to ask and what to be aware of and what to be mindful of. Um, and hopefully it gives you some reassurance around something that can sometimes feel quite vague and um, mysterious and it, and it really doesn't need to. So the website again is sacredspacehealing.org. That's sacredspacehealing.org. Um, lots of information on there. Uh, and obviously if there's anything that you would like to share with me or you have any questions or you want to give any feedback on this podcast, please do. Uh, the email address and the contact form is all there on the website as well. So wherever you are on your journey, I wish you much abundance, love, joy, prosperity, peace, kindness, and wonderful things. Until the next time, so it is and so it shall be.